Hello everyone and welcome to Celebrating Cinema. It's me, Sophie. You're listening to our series called Future Frames, which is a series where we celebrate emerging Dutch filmmakers whose frames we are excited to see more of and claim the screen. As hosts, we've each picked someone who would like to celebrate and speak with. In this edition, you'll hear from five filmmakers and their personal relationship to cinema. This will be recorded in English with the intention of an international audience, wherever you are, who can access the talent here in the Netherlands. For my pick, I have chosen writer and director Stephanie Kolk. Thank you for being here. Welcome. I'm uh, excited to talk about your films today. You've already made some uh, short films and you're working on your first feature film, right? Yes, that's correct. Thanks for inviting me, by the way. <laughs> you're very welcome, yes. Um, before we jump, to, jump into your works, I would like to start with a question um, that's more related to your love of film. Um, I'm curious to know what your first memory of film is. It's technically a series, actually. All right. But as a kid, I, uh, my favorite book was uh, Ronja Robber's Daughter. Ronja de Roverstochter. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's an Astrid Lindgren book. And uh, there was a f- uh, like a series, but it's also sometimes edited as a film. Okay. But it's like a six-hour thing. So it's okay. really long. You can really indulge. It's almost a bit like what we do now with series, where it's a right. bit longer, right? Yeah. I watched that a lot as a kid, so I, I and I really liked it. And actually, um, a lot of stuff that you watch as a kid hasn't really held up. Sometimes also kind of politically or yes, yeah. But I feel yeah, no, I, I really still love that film um, or series, if you will. Yeah, it's uh, really sweet, and um, it's uh, it ends in a kind of standoff between. Uh, a daughter and her father mm-hmm. and it's like really these really there's these big personalities and it's just really genuine and sweet and it's a really beautiful setting and um questions it asks i uh, like it still would you watch that on television or did you have it yourself that's a good question i think at the time um VPRO Villa Achterwerk, the, <laughs> it's a broadcast, it's a television uh, station, mm-hmm. um, and, um, uh, or a broadcasting agency actually. And um, I think at the time it uh, showed a lot of Swedish kids' films, <laughs> yeah. like uh, My Life as a Dog and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think as a kid I watched a lot of those kind of films on Sunday. Uh, yeah. So you uh, you watched a lot of film uh, while you were little? Yeah, not when I was tiny, I think. Coming of age, maybe. I, I, I come from a kind of science-y nest. So my parents are both neuropsychologists and very science-y. But actually, my dad is a big film lover. And my mom thinks everything is too bleak. So like she just, whenever there's something a little bit bleak in a film, and I mean, European art house is pretty bleak last century, sometimes annoyingly so actually, I think. (laughs) But but, um, like she would leave the room, but but like my dad wouldn't really, so so he would be watching Mm. Bergman or something. And (laughs) I would, uh, but I I was kind of allowed or tolerated to stay up if I would watch alongside with him. So I did watch uh, cool stuff uh, at the time uh, um, with him. Um, But of course, I mean, I also just went to see The Lion King. And I remember when we got 
v uh, VHS, uh, Aladdin on VHS that I really enjoyed. <laughs> so it's not like I watched uh, highbrow stuff all the time, but... Uh, but you did start watching it at an early age. Yeah, then. kind of, kind of. Yeah, although I didn't like everything, but I kind of liked the atmosphere of sitting next to my dad, who really, really, really enjoyed. Yeah, like is very vocal about it, and like it's it's nice when you experience somebody uh, loving something so much. Yeah, yeah, and so that I definitely true. got. Uh, that feeling I got from him even when I was sm too small to understand Bergman. <laughs> I, I understand that, yeah. So would you say that film is still that for you? Like an experience to share with someone, to bond over? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, with some people, definitely, yeah, yeah. And um, I uh, still talk about film a lot with my boyfriend who uh, is also in film. He's more on the kind of curatorial on the other side, a bit oh, like right, you, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and also with my dad, he had an accident um, uh, a few years ago where he got a really big uh, brain bleed and he was uh, uh, in rehabilitation a lot. And he recovered like insanely well. Like he couldn't even look you in the eye and he couldn't speak and couldn't walk anymore. And... Um, this was all pre-COVID, so um, if it was during the COVID time, he would not have survived because he was in intensive care for so long, so he was like a big drain, I think, on the system. But he survived and he really, um, yeah, in his own way, has really thrived uh, since then. Well, now I've completely lost what I want. <laughs> One sec. If you guys still bond over films, I'm guessing if you yeah out yeah. For such so time. so that's one of the things that um, so he's really shitty at some very like things that are kind of basic like like reading a clock, you know, just <laughs> reading the time. Right. He has no clue. Yeah. He doesn't know what left and right is, and he can't like he loves cooking, and he can't do that anymore, unfortunately. Oh. But uh, when you talk to him about science or about film, then you can, it's like he's exactly the person he always was. That's so nice. Yeah. And would you say that that experience of film, of like experience it together, bonding over it, is there also something that uh, you keep in mind while making your films? I think in practice I do because... I, in the process of making a film, it's very long now, I just made a feature where I'm, I'm rounding that up right now. And I kind of lose myself in it a lot. And then I need people that I, whose um, opinion and taste and vision I trust to sometimes talk, just have a conversation with, to, and they'll, they'll say something and I'll know if I agree or not. Yeah. Just to not lose myself, I do need that kind of community to be able to actually make and finish a film. Yeah. Like, I can't do it by myself, for sure. Right. And, um, yeah. So you're talking more about the production side now. Yeah, but also writing. I, I let other people read my scripts a lot yeah. when I don't know what I'm doing anymore. That, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, um, yeah, but I have a feeling I do that a bit more than some other filmmakers. I don't really know. But yeah, I also do it in the edits where... I just, at some point, I need an opinion to kind of... I just, when I f hear somebody talk about film, I can have really strong feelings about that, you know?
I'm also wondering if you um, keep this in mind while making your films for the audience. Like, do you try to make your films into something that people can experience together? Yeah, I do believe. Yeah, so even though I would say, like, in the Film Academy, I heard a lot of people were a bit like feeling that I probably was making films for myself because I was making stuff that uh, not everybody understood. Yeah. Um, but f for me, on the inside, I really do believe in film as a as something that you that can connect people and can give uh, maybe not exactly the same experience in everybody, but uh, trigger a conversation. But and also, yes, sometimes it does create a very specific feeling in very different people that a feeling that's the same and i think that's really cool yeah because um some feelings can't it's, it sounds a bit uh, wishy-washy but some feelings they they're they're hard to describe in words and i think that's maybe also because i come from a, a science background yeah i find it really cool that um cinema can do that you know yeah i understand that yeah um this makes me think of something that you said in uh, in a different interview. You said that the more specific and personal and detailed you get, the more universal a film becomes for you. Yeah, that, that I don't actually know who I'm quoting there, but there's a, a filmmaker that said that, that mm -hmm. I have been trying to look for. So if anybody hears this and know who said it, <laughs> let us know. Yeah. Please uh, <laughs> send me a message. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that. Yeah, yeah. Can you elaborate a bit on that maybe? Like how this translates to how you make your films? Sometimes in a film, you it's it's set in a very generic setting, right? Like they they put it like in a in an unspecified time or something. Like it could be seventies, but it could also be today or something. Yeah. And or it's set in an ambiguous country or something. And for me, that it's that's a matter of taste, I think. But I just it doesn't often work. Sometimes it does, but. Uh, I just enjoy finding myself in a in a world I um, believe, which doesn't mean that it has to be a realistic world, but that somehow feels like I couldn't have made it up. And if it is composed of um, generic features, I just don't feel it, it. It just doesn't speak to me. Yeah, I I have to feel this. This film is is uh, inviting me somewhere I haven't been, or it's um, somehow this filmmaker is, is taking me somewhere and they know where they're going, and I don't. I like that feeling. Yeah, I think that very much fits your films. I truly recognize it. The short films that you've made so far, they were all about very specific little moments in time something where it, it something very specific happened that you know I wouldn't have thought of myself um they were they were so beautiful to watch like you have such an interesting style uh I'm I would like to talk more about that um thank you especially with your uh with your scientific background that you uh keep mentioning because you studied biophysics before going into uh into filmmaking 
and um you've said before in uh, other interviews as well that to you being a scientist and being a filmmaker has a lot more similarities than uh people might think yeah which um to me very fits your films because you've uh uh you've described them yourself as being more about the atmosphere very uh they lack a lot of dialogue which feels like a very observant matter to uh, make films in which is also what you do as a scientist i would say you observe and then present your findings your question is a bit like how do, does it influence my my film making or mm -hmm. yeah i would say that um for most of us uh transition from biophysics to filmmaking might not seem like an obvious one no but um to me your filmmaking it feels like it was maybe a necessary step in your path to become the filmmaker that you are now because it to me it felt very scientific the way that you make your films the way it's so observing yeah so uh yeah yeah i that's interesting i find it really hard to the observing thing i found really hard to observe myself about you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah <laughs> look i'm not there yet so maybe after this conversation i'll go home and be like oh i should have said that um but i definitely feel the pro so what it feels like for me while i'm in the process is that i definitely feel i'm interacting with something outside of myself like this film has its own personality and its own life and its own um needs to kind of be finished like and i have to discover them you know yeah, yeah. so i'm and, and and in a way when you're doing natural sciences also nature is not gonna always do what you want so you can have an idea about like a natural process and then you research and and it just doesn't give the result you want. So you have to be creative to solve it, but also be open-minded because if you're not open-minded, then you're never gonna find the solution because you're, so I feel that the, the kind of um, idea that people have about science is that it's very uh, rigid. And I mean, the method is rigid, but the thinking around it that leads to answers is not. And it can't be, because the only way, just like with film, the only way you can be successful as a scientist is if you're like hyper original. Yeah, very flexible. <laughs> well, actually, with, yeah. maybe with film, that's even less important. I'm just trying to be original or whatever, but, but like a lot of people, yeah, I don't know. But with science, definitely, you need to be yeah. to survive. Yeah. Uh, because you, the only thing that sets you apart from everybody else is maybe going to be an idea that nobody has had yet, yeah. you know. Um, so in that sense, I think this open-mindedness is really important and I definitely try to take that to film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very visible in your films, for sure. I'm interested in what you're saying about um, finding this sort of problem and thinking about it in a flexible, original way to find a solution. Is that also what you're trying to do in your films, to find a solution to the situation that you're presenting? No, I'm more talking about filmmaking solutions. So maybe, uh, 
In producing the film, you mean? Yeah, I mean, in that's a very good question. Uh, I'm not trying to find solutions for my characters. No. I like films that um, leave you with specific feeling, but you can't you can't pinpoint a very clear morale or something, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think that means that you need, yeah, that you, you, you can't really present like very clear solutions either or look for them. I mean, what you're saying, it really uh, reminds me of your latest short, Eyes on the Road, where um, it's a very complicated situation that the characters are in. So it's a short film about three girls in a car that talk about a something that happened in their surroundings. Yeah. They all have very different opinions about it and they um, speak about it with each other. And to me, what you're saying right now, I really recognize in that film because in the end, there's not a solution to the problem. You don't make a statement about who's right or who's wrong. It's just the film just ends and we're not a part of the conversation anymore and you're left to think for yourself. Um, what to do with that information, Yeah, I would say. And um, yeah, I think what the power, for me, the power of your films is really in its silence. Like you've said before that your, your, um, your films lack dialogue. And then in Eyes of, on the Road, it's There's maybe, actually quite a lot. There's quite a lot, <laughs> lot of dialogue. Yeah. But it's still more about the things that are left unsaid, I think. Yeah. And the silence does a lot in creating this atmosphere in your films that all of them have so far. So, um, yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I definitely, I guess that's a good example. That film is a good example of uh, a moment where I felt it was not interesting to um, hint at who's right or who could be right, but also show a conversation that is being had um, and how everybody is kind of navigating all these different feelings, sometimes opinions, um, while they're in the same space with other people. Yeah. It's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. A difficult thing, I mean. Yeah. yeah I'm, and um, I just think it's kind of... Um, kind of moving. I mean, I definitely, of course, I agree with some opinions that are said in that car more than with others, but I, I don't really need a film to tell me um, what to think, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just like watching people struggle with... Uh, <laughs> with the complexities of life and I find it moving, you know? Right. That maybe comes from watching bleak films with your dad when you were uh, <laughs> Yeah, but I small. don't think it's actually so bleak. Yeah, that's also interesting. So I'm now in a phase, but I call it a phase because I think it's also a bit like, as a filmmaker, at some point you get a bit sick of your own thoughts and then you right. try something else for a while. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm definitely now in a phase where I... Um, where I'm um, a bit sick of bleakness for the, for the sake of it yeah. or something meaningless bleakness or something. Mm -hmm. Like I feel it needs to be more intelligent if it's going to be bleak, you know? <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> 
And I definitely feel, um, yeah, for me, Eyes on the Road is not, but but I guess you can take, it's, it, I mean, it's an open-ended film on purpose, so I, I, I guess that people could also take something very sinister out of it, but for me, it's not sinister, personally. Yeah. Uh, the film, and it's not um, saying something sad about this, uh, this kind of, these kind of interactions. Um, for me, they're kind of part of life, you know? Um, and uh, also in my new film, I'm definitely not, I'm, I'm definitely touching on darker themes, but I'm, um, for me, they're, they're not that dark and I'm not really interested in proving how bad human beings are. Yeah. Just to get a pat on the back and being told you're a very special, special director boy. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, I feel it's a, it, it was really like a, the realm of like last century uh, European white male directors mm -hmm. where it was like they're, they're very amazing films have been made mm -hmm. but it, it became a bit like making a good film became, became a bit synonymous with showing that people are shitty yeah. period without any nuance or something yeah. you know so uh yeah all right yeah i'm very curious then uh, about your new film and how this uh all translated into it can you maybe tell us a bit about what it's gonna be about yes so um i can tell you a bit about uh also how it started because that's yeah. a bit part of the story because mm -hmm. sometimes um uh yeah, I've, I've had very different process. I don't always make films in the same way. Like, I was on the road, I just sat down with a glass of wine and I wrote most of the script in a night. Oh. But before that, I was working mm -hmm. quite conceptually, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, building from an idea. Yeah. A bit more like a rational approach, if you will. And with this film, it, it was um, a, a bit different again. Because I was... Uh, uh, so I have a, a, a daughter, and I was at the time uh, uh, was before just before the pandemic. I was showing Eyes on the Road actually uh, on at London Film Festival, and um, I was breastfeeding my daughter and cutting kind of cutting back on it. So you you yeah. um, I was kind of ready to stop after a year. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I was at this film festival, and I thought, okay, so we're physically separated right now. Um, so maybe this is a good, I was just thinking practically, maybe this is a good opportunity to kind of cut back on the pumping yeah. and then get the breastfeeding to stop. Yeah. Um, and until then it had been quite an easy ride, this breastfeeding. So s sometimes for some people it's a, it's a tough uh, journey, but actually for me it had been quite of a practical easy ride and I never really had to think about my personal relationship with it right yeah. and then in London I was walking around I had a great time meeting a lot of really cool people and in the mornings I would be in the shower and like noticing that like less and less milk would come out of my breast like my body was forgetting this kind of ability yeah and it was a really weird um this just this this idea of of like my body losing this ability and, and somehow like irrationally 
made me really a bit panicky and sad. Like I was Googling like, oh, can I get it started again? But I didn't really want that. So I was a bit confused by myself, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. And then I was reminded of my sister who's uh, a lot older than me. Mm -hmm. And she, her, when she was pregnant for the first time, she, unfortunately, it didn't go well. And she lost her baby at 26 uh, weeks of pregnancy. Oh no. So pretty late. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time I was a teenager and I was like, oh, this is, you know, I understood it was like really sad, but it was quite abstract for me. Yeah. Because um, I was like 13 or something. Oh yeah, I understand that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but when I was walking around in London, I, I just was thinking about that again. And also that she mentioned that she had to bind, tie her breasts so they wouldn't start producing milk and that she had to, uh, yeah, that, that this milk uh, had stopped eventually. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, this, this character walked into my head, um, which is the main character of my film, Robin. And I just thought, what if you don't cut back and you keep pumping your milk after you lose your baby? Yeah. So the film is called Milk, and it's about uh, Robin, who, um, whose body starts producing milk after she um, loses her baby quite in a uh, quite late stage of her pregnancy. And she decides not to... Uh, throw away this milk, but to uh, that she wants to donate it, and the whole film is a is a kind of search for a place to uh, donate her milk to for to for a new home for her milk. Yeah. And when you're pumping, you have to pump every few hours. And in in her specific case, it turns out this donation uh, turns out to be a bit more complicated than she expected. So there's some um, reasons par partially bureaucratic why it's difficult in her specific case and she uh, in the meantime her milk is just taking over her freezer and then her <laughs> life uh, wow. and in the beginning uh, people are very supportive I spoke to uh, quite a few uh, people who uh, parents who are, have been grieving uh, the loss of uh, their baby mm -hmm. and um, people also treat you a little bit uh, sometimes in some cases with uh, uh, pity maybe well uh, a beetje fluwele handschoentjes how do you say that like Walk, walking on eggshells yeah they're very they don't really know what to say yeah. and they're and um, when she uh, brings up this plan to uh, to donate her milk they're also a little bit relief that they can contribute something very yeah. concrete so they're all very supportive but um i think after a while also as an I, I play a little bit with that with the um i think ideas that you also as that we all have about so how somebody should look who is grieving um i think after a while also when you watch this film you'll you're going to ask yourself the question if this is something that's good for her, you know, yeah. what she's doing. Yeah. And um, especially because nobody really says anything about it. Yeah. Um, so I play at that quite consciously, although I don't really give the um, 
audience so much uh, to uh, yeah. to form an opinion uh, right, from, yeah. um, or I don't I don't help them to to feel a certain way about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, and. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say how it finishes this film. Because <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it would not. be nice hey. if people go to see it. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, yeah, I um, uh, this is uh, kind of the uh, the story that uh, I'm telling, and I right. also immediately felt strongly how it should end and how it shouldn't. Um, so for me, this story came kind of walked into my head not complete but there was like definitely already a um a kind of casco you know yeah. like a a kind of skeleton and and and, and a drive and, yeah. and this character was there and um i uh went back to the netherlands and i talked to my screenwriter that i was working on another project with Nena van Driel. i talked with her about this idea and i thought oh it's probably a short film she said, no, you have to make a feature out of this. This should be a feature. So she kind of convinced me. And yeah. um, in the beginning, I was writing by myself uh, because we both, but we really stayed in touch about like, she said, why don't you just start writing yourself and see how far you get? And then when you feel the time is ripe, then you can ask me. Okay. So I did exactly that. And uh, yeah, it was a very special uh, process. At some point she joined. And then we uh, continued writing as a team. And um, yeah, now the film is in, uh, we're now uh, doing the mix, sound mix, and finishing the music and uh, gonna send it to festivals, so. All right, you're almost there. Yeah, I'm almost there. It's really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what an incredibly interesting story. Does this happen in real life? Do people donate their breast milk yeah they do actually um i uh, talked to uh, uh three uh women who donated uh milk after losing uh their uh baby uh -huh. during pregnancy yeah and um one of them um actually donated around 70 liters whoa uh, after her baby babies in this case uh, yeah. passed away Wow, that's so much. Yeah. She uh, lost uh, two uh, two uh, babies, uh, two twins. Oh, that's tragic. Yeah, it's really really sad. But it's um, yeah, it's really uh, amazing, and she can tell talk about it in a really uh, really beautiful way. Like yeah. um, she's a very uh, uh, white Dutch, <laughs> uh, down to earth right, lady. Yeah. They're very direct uh, yeah. in Dutchness, yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm pretty sure she would find it fine if I share her story, but I'll leave it a little bit abstract. Yeah. But but she's like, uh, she has a job where she works with her hands, mm -hmm. very crafty job, mm -hmm. and um, she's very funny, and um, yeah, she's uh, she she did all that. She's a very practical person, actually. Like mm -hmm. you don't really very practical, very down to earth. It's not what, as, a, as an outsider, the cliche of somebody who does something very irrational, which I guess it is, like you don't, you're, you're not doing it for yourself, this yeah. donation. It's, it's a, something that you feel you, you need or that you need to do. Yeah. And 
um, for her it was really a given, like it was never, oh, do I need to go on with this or not, that the fact that she was going to do that was a given and everybody else was maybe struggling yeah. around her sometimes, but yeah. she, for her it was, uh, in that sense, very clear cuts that she had yeah. to do that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So that is what you used to create the story in the film, yeah. the ca character in the film as that well. That aspect of it is a little bit there, that yeah. it's not a choice. Um, but she's not based on uh, on this lady. I, I, I met a bunch of people. I did, again, I did try, like, I do think, Ro yeah, Robin's story is, is, is Robin's very specific story. It's not directly based on somebody, but of course, yeah. uh, it's inspired by things I've uh, talked about with yeah. uh, people who, uh, who have done this. Yeah. yeah. Is that process of doing research before you write the film something that you've done now because it's a feature film or did you do that for your short films as well? Yes, to some extent I have with every film, um, but this was definitely the most elaborate. Also because I was very afraid to get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's such a... When you talk to somebody um, who has been through such a thing once, it's so... It's... Um, it's so moving and and sad and 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 wonderful and and admirable mm -hmm. um and you just don't you just don't want to get it wrong you know yeah so then you want to also because and and very often people who have been through something like this also have opinions about how something like this should be yeah of course depicted yeah um and i think that's uh, very much true for um, parents who have lost a child during pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I was definitely motivated to talk to a few, get a few different opinions to see where everything was sitting, where everybody's feelings about certain things were sitting, and and decide for myself what I would want to show in a film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also wondering about the decision to make it a feature film instead of a short. Yeah, uh, that was Nana's idea. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what made her say that? Why do you think it's a better format? The question is, is it also a bit um, blunt, but is it enough for a feature film? Because you, you're going to have people watch um, one and a half, two hours of something. Yeah. And it has to be interesting enough and it has to be powerful enough and all of those things are definitely in in this character and in the premise. So that, but then you're also you also have to tell a, an arc, a story arc. Yeah. Um, and um, not every story arc is suitable for a long film. And I guess that because a search for a place to donate milk to, you can like approach it as a very in a kind of then way where you're just following this character who's like walking around and you know yeah with her milk and like you can do that which is kind of like the 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 would be maybe the go-to format like at least that's the first thing i thought of myself yeah. you know mm -hmm. but then when nena said this i realized that i could also approach this in a different way where 
it's much more, you don't really just get to see this walking around with a box of bottles, but you get to see all the moments in between. And uh, I realized I was interested enough in all the characters around her and, um, and all the moments around the pumping milk, but also the pumping milk itself, like, because that's not really been shown in the film. And what's kind of cool is that it's such a, there's a whole infrastructure around it in your life. Like if you're pumping milk, especially if you're full-time pumping milk, which I've also done for a while, um, for my, uh, my own baby, mm -hmm. um, there's a whole practical infrastructure that comes around it because you have to pump a lot and you have the freezer and you have the, to um, disinfect the, the, the pumping machine. And uh, I found this an interesting and again, very specific world to show to people that I would want to see myself in a film, so. Yeah. All right. And so you've approached the storytelling different now because it's a feature film? Um, yeah, that's interesting. Not so different, I think. In the end, I'm very, I write very intuitively. I don't really okay. like the, the story structures that you're told to use. Yeah. Uh, probably I have, there's some of that in my films anyway, because you <laughs> all watch the same stuff, right? Yeah. But I don't, that's not at least how I, I, I approach the writing process. Yeah. Do you think that we'll be seeing a difference in style because the format is different from no, your No, not previous? because the format is different, but because somehow every film that I make becomes a little bit different in style. Like, I mean, I guess yeah. if you compare Eyes on the Road to my previous shorts, it's also yeah. quite different. It's also I just, just growing as an artist, right? Yeah, and also, as I said before, which is probably uh, like a farce, it's probably not true, but I feel like this film is asking me to do a certain thing. <laughs> so so right. probably I'm still imposing my will or whatever, but it feels like I'm answering to the film's needs Yeah. when I'm in the process and I'm just finding out what's... Um, I mean, there's some taste, of course, that's that's also consciously evolve, uh, like involved, like if... Um, I don't know, the production designer or the composer lets me hear, hear a few options. Of course, I'll think some things are cooler than others, you yeah. know. But overall, I definitely, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit driven by this idea that, that this film has a need or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, like a baby. <laughs> like a baby, yeah. You said earlier that um, you feel like you might listen to other people more than other filmmakers do during the production process do yeah. you think that that also comes from this need because they are also part of that yeah like i i kind of involve them it's like co-parenting maybe <laughs> this is so bad like i definitely didn't want to position myself as this like parenting filmmaker or whatever but like um <laughs> no it's a bit like that yeah like i do i do want to choose what's best for the film yeah <laughs> so i ask but i i can't just ask anybody you know like i no, no. i ask people that i also feel have an interesting um idea or have a very specific, like, sometimes it's also nice to ask somebody where you know what their opinion about other stuff is, because you know, the, for example, your classmates, you've known them for really long, and you, you've seen them in so many discussions, and then when they say something about your film, 
then you're like, oh, now I understand what I'm making. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I, 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 can, I think I can safely say this because I think it's true for not just me with a busy mind and ADHD and everything, <laughs> but for everybody a little bit that when you're so uh, consumed in yeah. a feature film, it's hard to really really under like zoom out and really understand what animal you're creating you know yeah you kind of know the elements of course like yeah. i know there's a bit of humor in my film i know it's also sad but like when somebody then tells you uh something specific like whoa there was like a uh i felt she was gonna do this until the end or something like you know yeah. I, there's stuff that you put in your film that you're not aware of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's also, I like that as a scientist a lot because it's, <laughs> you're just influencing people's perception and you're playing with people's relationship to something, right? And, yeah. Um, that's also really cool. It's cool that you're not completely in control, I think. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I'm very excited to see this film when, you're, when you finish it. Yeah, it's uh, I'm 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 proud of it. I hope it's gonna find a home. Yeah, and people are gonna watch it. That would be nice. That would be very nice. Well, we'll definitely try to get people to watch it. We'll send yeah. them all. Well, you're gonna send it to festivals, right? So, yeah, yeah. Because uh, all your previous films uh, premiered at Locarno, all of them, right? Except yeah. for the Honda, maybe. Yeah, Honda was didn't have much of festival life. Was my uh, thir third year film ah, in right. the Film Academy. But uh, yeah, all the ones after that uh, did. So hopefully mil Milk gets a start there as well, or would you uh, be more interested in different f well, festivals? Well, I mean, I'm, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I would definitely be happy for Locarno to show my film again, but uh, there's also, uh, it's a new team now, so it's not the same festival that it used right. to be anymore. And it's a feature as well, so it's always different. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see who picks it up. Yeah. We're sending it to all the best festivals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, all right. So maybe a um, question to finish it off with. Mm -hmm. Now that you've worked, uh, now that we know that you work with so many different people on your films as well, I wonder what the best advice is that someone has ever given you Ooh. when it comes to filmmaking. Or maybe not when it comes to filmmaking. <laughs> Again, it looks really like I picked this because it's like so... Um, how do you say that? Verantwoord. Responsible? Yeah, it's like a responsible answer or something, but it's literally the first thing that comes to mind. So I was in, um, in, uh, in a master class in Berlin uh, a few years ago, and there was... Um, uh, there was uh, Api Chappong was uh, giving a... Um, was giving a, a masterclass there and I liked like that masterclass I liked like everything that came out of his mouth so I was <laughs> like just, I wanted to just it was uh, during the pandemic so I, mm -hmm. uh, I, I had the almost uh, the feeling I wanted to just push on pause and just write down everything he said but uh, <laughs> I could watch uh, rewatch it later mm -hmm. but um, one thing um, that he said and that gave me permission to do something was um, is he said um, it's okay to build your relationship with your film 
So, of course, filmmaking has a bit of a narcissistic side to it, and I think mm -hmm. a lot of us filmmakers are a bit afraid. I, I mean, I'm definitely afraid of that I make something just for myself, you know? Yeah. And that uh, my, it, it, my film is too personal and not universal enough or something. And he said, um, yeah, when I make films, I just um, like to put like a, a frame on the wall in the room that we're filming that is like a photo of my mother. And then I, 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 I get the curtains from, uh, from my old home and I put them up. So I try to infuse this film with all kinds of little personal details that build my relationship with the film. And I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and I thought this was so nice because, um, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it gave me a little bit of permission to have a, a personal relationship with my film and not have it, but actually feel a bit guilty about it or something. Yeah. And um, sometimes just pick something, pick a color scheme that you're presented with by your, I don't know, production designer or in a conversation, just do something because you like it and do something because it moves you even if you can't really justify it. Um, I, uh, yeah, I liked, I liked that a lot. So maybe that's, that will be the one that advice that, uh, that comes to mind. Uh, have you done that so far in your films? Uh, I definitely did it. That was on time for milk. So I definitely did it in milk. Right. Okay. <laughs> but I think I kind of did it before a little bit as well, but I felt more guilty about it. But yeah. definitely I've embraced it more. Yeah. So milk, we can expect to see some of your uh, home curtains. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's set, so it's set in my uh, hometown. Um, uh, they speak, uh, we, I got the actress to uh, take uh, Nijmegen, uh, like a local accent, like oh. uh, she's very good at it, I have to say. Wow. And we got all the doctors and uh, nurses and all the medical personnel. We, we work with a lot of non-professional actors in the film. Uh, oh. A lot of the people who have medical roles or healthcare roles, they're mm -hmm. real, they're people that actually do that job. And there are, uh, a lot of them are from that area as well. Oh, nice. Uh, we shot partially in the woods where I would walk my dog when I still lived in Nijmegen. Um, so definitely, uh, there's some personal uh, relationship in yeah. that sense. And I think also I put a bit of myself in, in a lot of the characters. Um, and I felt a bit less like I had to hide that or something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It was a joy to talk with you and to talk about your films. Can't wait to get to see them. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Celebrating Cinema series, Future Frames. Make sure to listen to the rest of the crew's conversations. We'll be releasing one episode of Future Frames every week during March and April. Please leave a review on whichever platform you listen on and share so more people can discover both us and our future frame makers. Feel free to send any questions and suggestions to celebratingcinema at lub111.nl and follow us at lub 111 on Instagram. As always, we provide show notes, including all films mentioned and links to the filmmaker's work at celebratingcinema.com. This was a Lab 111 production, edited and produced by Elliot Bloom and Yvonne GC, with music from Hugo Emmerzaal and artwork by Studio FFF. Thank you. Thank you.